I'm excited to talk about my sponsors today, Gay Lisby's Million Dollar Arbitrage Group. Amazing, amazing group. This is a teacher. This is, uh, Gay was a teacher. She is a teacher still. You need to learn this is the type of uh, environment you want to be in because she's going to help you understand why. And I think that's the hardest part of this business is understanding why. Why is the red one popular when the green one isn't? Well, there's usually a reason. And what Gay does is probably parse that better than anybody. And she'll explain the reasons for those things. I think that's really powerful. Yes, she puts out a list. You're going to get, uh, get use of that list if you get in the group. Now, here's the deal. The group isn't always open, right? So, you get on the waiting list, and you can join the waiting list through my link. Um, doesn't cost you anything to, to get on a waiting list. And if you uh, like her service, which I find that most people do, and that's why there's not so many openings, um, you'll be with her for a long time. And so it's AmazingFreedom.com. She's part of Andy Slamet's group. AmazingFreedom.com forward slash momentum, and you're going to get in the waiting list. That's all I can get you on right now. You can use my name and see if that gets you anywhere. But what I like about in that, uh, what I like about what they teach in that group are the things that are going on, you know, the current things. I've seen a lot of stuff going on about stores going out of business. Well, here's where an opportunity is. Here's why you want to do this. Hey, be cautious about this, you know, with Toys R Us coming out. You got to think about this. And that's the learning that you need to do. And gay is better than anybody else I've seen. So um, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum will get you to the waiting list. Then hopefully it can get you in the group and then you're going to see me in there and uh, we can chat anytime you're ready. Karen Locker's group, Solutions, the number four e-commerce, solutions4ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you 50 bucks. Karen's our account manager. We recommend her to everyone because she's done so well for us. I mean, that's quite frankly the reason we've been paying her for the last few years, but she's become an important part of our team. Her and her team are so involved in our account. I just see the emails coming back and forth. Hey, we did this for you. I just saw two listings today. And I'm like, wait a second. Why did they show up? I didn't put any listings up. They got, uh, they got uh, set off to the side by Amazon, and they reactivated them for me. You know what I mean? That's the stuff that just happens when you have a strong team, and I can't recommend Karen enough. If you use uh, my code Momentum, Karen pays me. I don't want to hide that. Of course, we all know that, but you're going to save $50, and it's a great opportunity to really, really um, build out your team with somebody you can trust. That's why I recommend them. So solutions for e-commerce, solutions, the number for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50. Oh, and by the way, she's going to do an inventory health report. Why is that important? Well, guess what? Fees are going up. Is your inventory health number declining like ours is? Well, here's why, and here's what they can do. What I like is I get a spreadsheet from them and it says, hey, um, here's a bunch of inventory. Here's what we recommend. And I'm like, yep refund, I mean, uh, delete, uh, return to us, blah, 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 whatever it is, and it's or destroy, and it just happens. That's what I like. The other thing that I have Karen help me with a lot is creating new listings. You know, we do a lot of the research ourselves, we upload our images, and then boom, magically the listing goes live, and I don't have to worry about it. Those are the services that Karen offers. Can't recommend her enough. Solutions for ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. Save 50 bucks. Use my code you save $50 a month every single month, and it's a great service. Plus, you get that free inventory health report. I think it's a really powerful way. So I can't, uh, I'm so excited how many people have been joining her because I see it. And I'm excited because the, the messages I get from people are saying, hey, this is great. I finally feel like I can focus on something else because Karen and her team are watching this for me. And, you know, I highly recommend her.
Next up is Seller Labs and Scope. <laughs> I almost said it wrong. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it really is amazing when you sit back and think about, hey, I want to get this product up and it's similar to this product, and that's, that product does well. Well, therefore, if that product does well, they have the right keywords. They have chosen things correctly. So guess what? You scope, and you can see all that stuff. And that's what the, the most powerful thing in the world is, to copy somebody who's done it right. That's what you want to you wanna take advantage of that, right? I mean, it's, it's fair uh, to see. And so, therefore, you could take and apply it to your listing and immediately get that same benefit. That's what Scope does for me. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50 on the service. Oh, by the way, it's free to try. So sign up, try it and say, oh, this is how it's done. Boom. And then you're going to, the light's going to go on and you're going to be like, man, I can get my products out there. I just can't wait. Can't wait. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. The other day, I bought another domain. Yes, I bought another domain. It's almost like uh, I'm admitting guilt. But it's because I had an idea and it was something that was a pretty good idea. I think it's going to go pretty far. And so what do I do? I go to trygodaddy.com forward slash momentum and save 30%. So domains aren't very expensive. You get a few services. It adds up a little bit. And I usually buy three years. I usually buy privacy. By the way, I recommend that too. By that, you know, it's not that much money, but when you can save 30%, it makes it that much sweeter and it makes it easier uh, when you're buying domains, and especially if you buy a bunch of domains. I am a domain collector, and so I do tend to do that, but that 30% makes it a lot easier. And I use GoDaddy because what I like is I can pop in an address I'm thinking and it'll say, nope, nope, try this version or try this extension. And then boom, there it is. Hey, you better hurry before it goes away. And they're right, you know, and so try GoDaddy.com forward slash momentum, save 30%. Also, I want to mention about Grasshopper. Who was I just talking to somebody the other day? And they were like, oh, yeah, I use this company called Grasshopper. I'm like, dude, did you buy it through my link and save 30%? Hello? No, they missed that. So save 30%. It's trygrasshopper.com forward slash momentum. No surprise there, but you're going to save 30%. And what the, the real cool part about that is they're using it for their private label business. And it gives them virtually a second phone on their current phone without having to get another number. They can make up a vanity number. They don't have to go and do all the grief and, and sign long contracts. Pretty easy stuff. And so if you're creating a brand that you want to identify, you want to look professional, you want to look like a real company, Grasshopper is a great tool. It's an app you put on your existing phone, and boom, you now have a customer service department. You now have a sales department. You now have a manufacturing division. You could forward it to somebody else. You can have it go to different voicemails, different departments, and it's all included. So try grasshopper.com forward slash momentum. Save 30%. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 314, Wesley Murray. Now Wesley operates a fulfillment service down in North Carolina, him and his partner, Chris Potter. I had Chris on uh, for the second time, not that long ago. Um, and what I like, what I like about this conversation is, um, again, you're talking to somebody who sells, so it's a perspective issue. But the best part, I think, of Wesley's story is his self-awareness. The things that he knows that he's good at, the things that he likes, 
he has found and he enjoys them. So he's pursuing them. The things he doesn't, he has a partner that is a little bit better at that. I think that that's so powerful. Um, and it's hard as a guy to admit because um, we're supposed to be everything. We're the heroes, right? I'm not a hero. And I think Wesley realizes that he's not a hero. And that's not a negative. It's, again, he's 10 steps ahead of you because he understands that he shouldn't do everything because he doesn't love everything. And some of it's not fun. That's powerful. Man, if you can get that out of this and then apply it in your life and, and look for people to help you in these other things, whoever they are, whatever services. And again, my advice is always find the people you connect with. If this connects with you, great. If not, find somebody you do. And I just think it's going to help you move so much more forward. He's got a great story and just a great guy. Let's get into the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest because I'm looking for information. And so I like to talk to experts and now he'll he'll qualify that saying hey I know enough to be dangerous and I get that I respect that but still somebody who knows more than I do and somebody has some breadth of experience and depth of experience and I just think there's so much value to learn from somebody who's done it done it consistently and who's adjusting because they've been there got that and say yeah now I want to do this and I just think there's power in that knowing yourself Wesley Murray welcome Wesley Hi, how's it going? It's going really well. And I appreciate you taking the time today. You and I both busy. It's funny, both of us are in our warehouses alone um, today just because, and we're both expecting shipments and, you know, contracts and who knows what else. So that's a, that's the life though. Isn't that kind of cool though, that that's your, your biggest challenge today is that that's kind of a pretty cool thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, it definitely beats going to work at, you know, 5 a.m. or 9 a.m. or whenever you would go to your normal job and just kind of being a drone. It's it's good that you can sit in a warehouse and say, hey, I built all this. All this is at least partially mine. You know, you've you've sort of made it. Well, and, and it's it's the effort you put into it, right? So when your place looks like crap because it's not cleaned up, you have nobody to blame. It's your responsibility, so you have to fix it. There's value in that as opposed to saying, well, you know, Steve, that's the maintenance department. You know, they're, they're a little shorthand. Are they, you know, there's value in knowing that when it is look right, there's pride maybe. That's a better word. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That you have no one to blame but yourself if, you, uh, if something doesn't get done when you're in a position like we are. I, uh, this morning, my wife and I had a conversation where she works. We were talking about somehow IT came up and corporate stuff and always the IT department always worked for me, you know, and, and, and they would sit there and say, you know, the staff would say, Hey, we need to do this or whatever. And then you go and the IT guys would be like, well, Steve, you, you got to understand. I mean, I'm not like, look, I, I'm, I'm not, I do understand. I won't hear any of that nonsense. It's money. How much money do you need? Let's fix it and move on. But she was Ooh. describing that they use this particular software and each one has a different browser because the different browsers are necessary to operate it. I'm like, that's a line of crock of nonsense. That's somebody who doesn't want to do whatever it takes to fix that. That bureaucracy, that lack of, you know, making, and, and so there's five employees that really struggle, right? So nobody can do their job easier. And that is your role as a leader. And so I'm thinking about with what you do and get into your warehouse and, and you have a fulfillment center, uh, prep center too, which is interesting. When you think about a leadership role like that in your business, 
is that what you do? Are you putting out fires all day long as they come up? Um, are you preparing in advance? Uh, do you make a note? How do you, how do you deal with that? Well, I think uh, the answer I would like to give you is everyone <laughs> plans ahead for everything. Yeah, give the, that's the prepared answer, right? Yeah, I, I think you and I would both know that I was full of crap if I said that. Um, generally, you put out fires as they come, and I feel like the larger your business to a certain bell curve, like the larger your business gets, the more of your time is spent putting out fires and the only reason that you get away with putting out fires as you get larger is because you hire someone else good enough to put out the fires for you. Yeah, that's a very powerful point right there is hiring that right person that really has the abilities that has, we used to call it in, in the corporate world, the capacity, right? We always look for people who had capacity, you know, the, that they could just take and, you know, yeah, it's not just pushing a broom. It's pushing a broom so the garbage goes in the least uh, accumulated spot so you don't have to push it 17 times, right? Anybody who can figure out reducing stuff, that's capacity. And if they can apply it to other things, man, then you just, you could really grow. That's a hard thing to do. See, I'm a control freak. I used to be a controller, right? That was one of my titles over the years as a controller. Therefore, when people say, Steve, you're a control freak, I'm like, my whole career has been geared. Yes, I am. I'm a control guy. So giving that up is very challenging. How about for you? Um, it's funny you say that. I was actually talking to a friend of mine uh, that is also like the head of a small, reasonably small business. We're in the Southeast. So he's the head of like the Carolina Panthers fan group. And he's a good friend of mine. And I said, hey, don't feel alone. I said, I've never met anybody in charge of a company that has like an entrepreneurial spirit that isn't a control freak. Yeah. <laughs> like it's really hard to make something and then give up control of it, essentially. Um, I think that's a valid point. I think uh, finding people, giving them the rope. Now, in the old days, that's what I started to say. In the old days, we would kind of catch them. You know, we'd give them the rope and then say, oh, you're wrong. Boom, off with your head. And that's an awful way to live. You know, that was the old business we were in. And now um, it's harder to find and retain good people because they have options. Has that been your experience? Yes. I think... Everybody talks about how great the economy is, and yeah, it's awesome, but a side effect of the good economy is all these people that you're looking for to work for you also have five other people working for them. So not only do you have to offer more to them, you have to bring someone in that, like you said, we like someone proving themselves. You have to bring someone in based on, you know, 60 minutes worth of total interview time and a resume at a higher level. And if you make a mistake, it's even harder to then find someone else. It could be a cancer, right? Oh, because they could, they could destroy everything that you built up until that moment. Yes. One bad apple ruins the batch, I think is the way the saying goes. Um, It's really hard. Even if you extract the problem, then you have to deal with the ugly business side that is, you know, terminations, unemployment, things like that. And even worse than that is then you have to basically scrub all the bad habits that they instilled in everybody else out of those other people 
or just removing the problem didn't fix it. We have a particular challenge in our market. I think your market's very similar um, because of warehousing. We have uh, we have 49 million square feet of warehousing in our town and around it, it's much more than that, but just in our town. Four Amazon warehouses is a good example. We have an Apple warehouse. We have a UPS hub. Uh, we ha- you name it, we have it. We're Because of our location, we're within a day's drive of 80% of the U.S. population. And so... Um, Amazon starts at $18 an hour for unskilled labor. And so what that's done to the rest of the market, you know, because office staff were making $15 an hour at a good job, right? That's $30,000 a year back in the day. I mean, this is two day, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden they could leave there and go and lift boxes. Now I'm not saying it's easy, but they can go work at Amazon and start at 18 or $19 an hour. And, it's really changing the market. So everybody is like, whoa, I don't know what to do. So now all of a sudden, so the smaller companies are immediately adopting technology as fast as they can because they can't compete and stay competitive with the wages, right? Because if it starts at 18, they're going to be at 22, 23. And that's a, that's a challenge for smaller companies. And second is just... Uh, trucks everywhere. Everything's affecting everything in our community. And it's like a real transition. And I don't know what the end is because then you read about these. some of these warehouses are so automated they have no staff. So it's kind of like in that weird, we're in a weird bubble in, in our market. How is it in your market? Uh, you you sound like you are like next door. To <laughs> Similar, huh? Essentially, while we're in a little cheaper area of the country to live, we are... In Charlotte, which Charlotte's really weird because Charlotte's expensive to live in, but we still have suburbs around, you know, within a 30-minute commute or so that are really um, economically viable, I'll okay. say. Much much less expensive to live and things like that. So you have all these people that travel into Charlotte to make better money, and it's just like you said. We have an Amazon warehouse, which – We've talked about a little bit before we've discussed, actually Chris discussed on his pod, how close the Amazon warehouse is to us. And they too pay, you know, 12 or $13 an hour starting in an area where just two or three years ago, 14 or $15 an hour would buy you a decent sized house. Yeah. So yeah. it's put the economy in a little bit of a flux because like you said, small businesses like us, we can't afford to pay. an hour to someone to walk around and move boxes. That's the, that's the wage level that I want to see like that guy's supervisor at, not your base level employee. And it, it becomes really hard to attract and retain even entry level people because you can't pay them what, you know, Amazon, or like you said, we have a UPS hub too, a FedEx hub, things like that in this area are paying them. So what do you do? I mean, that's a, this is a good, interesting point because this is real for a lot of people. So what you're in the prep business, right? So that's a, can be a labor intensive business, a lot of touch points, right? You got to touch a lot of stuff if, if it requires a lot of prep. What, what do you do or what have you started thinking about? Um, and, and, and I think this is kind of, is, do you guys have a vision when you look out, you know, is it possible that you could automate some of it? Is it possible that you could see some of that stuff coming, even on a smaller scale? So one of the things that we started doing in the very beginning is we're a little different than 
some other prep operations run and that when we onboard a client, we give them an option. We say, hey, give us three days of the week that you want your stuff to go out. And we pick from those three days. So on Monday, we can look and see what we have and we can look at the chart and see, hey, we're heavy on this day. Maybe I need to get try to get some help on this day. We're light on this day. Maybe we can work on some of the, some of the next day stuff on this day. And it just kind of to load level because you have such problems, A, getting staff and then B, retaining staff. Because it doesn't matter if you hire 100 people, if they quit after three weeks, they're no, they're no benefit. Or, or if you work them, you know. 12 hours this week, 90 hours next week, 12 hours. That's not, nobody's going to stay for that either. Right. As you say, that's not consistent. You need that consistency. Hmm. Yes. In my, in my previous life, I worked, uh, I was actually, I was an automotive technician and I worked for what was then the largest used car company, like fortune 500 company in the country. And they did that. They couldn't figure it out. We would work, 35 hours some weeks and then we would go six months where we would work 45 50 hours a week and it really is a drain on you because you look at them at that time i looked at them and i said hey if we worked 40 hours a week year around we wouldn't have this problem but now i understand that you can't have people you know twiddling their thumbs for 10 hours a week just to be consistent hmm. Now, Amazon, another another thing that they're doing in our market, I don't know that they're doing in all markets, but here in the one particular warehouse, so we have a friend that works there, it's four 10-hour days. And so uh, they're working whatever. But and, and what they like about it is what we've been talking about. They can plan. So they have those other days off. And it's, it's a lifestyle. You know, 10 hours is a long time to be at work. Um, you know, it, when you're in corporate world, that was, you know, part-time where my life was, but generally speaking, um, 10 hours is a long day to be on your feet, lifting boxes. That's a long day being, but I think because of the type of work people are looking at as a trade-off saying, man, I get three days off to be with my family every week, you know, and I don't know if it's four on four off. I don't know how that works to be honest with you. I don't know if it's four and then you get three and then four and you get three. Um, but it's kind of cool when you think about it. Are those things that you would start entertaining as you guys build up your business, those kind of thoughts? So it's funny you actually mentioned that. Um, I'm, I'm omniscient, just so you know. Yeah, smart guy. I, this was not planned, people listening, I promise. Um, <clears throat> so in my previous career that I mentioned, we actually campaigned for four 10-hour days, and it was the same thing. It was very physical labor. Obviously, you can't automate fixing a car. You can't have a machine take an engine out for you yet, I wish. Um, so we campaigned for those four 10-hour days to be more consistent so that you could get those three days to decompress, relax. You have to think, if you work 8 to 5 Monday through Friday, what if you have a doctor's appointment? Then you have to use vacation time. If you work you know, 8 to seven or six, whatever the math works out Monday through Thursday, well, you can schedule all your appointments on Friday. And even though you're going to be just destroyed by the end of the day, Thursday, you have three days to do whatever you can spend your time with your family and things like that. So that is a great idea. And that is something that eventually I would yeah. like to do here. But the thing with that is you have to 
it's sort of doable on like a prep aspect, but on like a straight fulfillment aspect, um, yeah, it's not going to function. You have to have everything. Yeah, you have to kind of have everything out the door by five o'clock, or you're not injecting anything into the FedEx stream. You're not injecting anything into the UPS stream. So all you're really doing is getting ahead on your work for the next day. Hmm. Um, so that's something you have to look at. And we could also do something with a split where, you know, our, our, um, fulfillment people work, you know, six to five and then our, or six to four, whatever the math works out as it tells. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I, I just think that to me, you know, as I sit and think about this stuff and I do think a lot of stuff, I, I notice a lot of stuff, but I'm only a part-time seller. And so, I have that capacity. I have the ability to do that. But I think of full-time sellers, as I'm sitting here listening to you, you clearly have been working on this. You've been thinking about this. This is one of the reasons that you use a prep and a fulfillment center. And Steve doesn't benefit. So don't think that, you know, Wesley's going to be paying me. I don't benefit in any other way other than if you find a home, because people always ask me, and it works for you, awesome. That's what I always say. Find the people you connect with, who you resonate with, and then really develop that relationship because you will need them and they will need you. It's a give and take, and that's the best type of relationship, right? So when you're down, um, when you're down, I'm up. When I'm down, you're up, and you can pull each other along. And so, to me, though, the ability to look at this stuff, the ability to think about this stuff, and then in addition to do a full time amount of work to run your life in that, it's almost impossible to work on your business when you're so in your business. And I think that that's one of the reasons that people need to look at outsourcing more responsibilities. And because this stuff is real, right? If it's not that way in your market today, it's coming, right? You're here, Wesley, and, and myself. I'm in Pennsylvania. He's in North Carolina. These things are real in our town right now. I mean, again, $18 an hour to start. How are you going to compete with that in your small little warehouse if you have one? And those things are real decisions you got to start thinking about. And having somebody else look at that, I think, is very helpful. Yes. Yes, I agree. It's, uh, it lends you to having more time to do the things you want because out of a hundred people, maybe three want to pack boxes, Right. maybe three want to figure out, Hey, if I send this via UPS and not FedEx a hundred times, I'll save $30. You, you need someone in your corner that spends their time figuring this stuff out. So you can do whatever it is you want to do, whether you still get a thrill out of walking into a Walmart and finding a whole shelf of X product or whether you're designing your next private label, whatever it is you want to do, you should, one of the things that I was told that makes great sense to me is you should find the things that are the best dollar profitability or highest dollar cost. And you should work on those and you should outsource from the bottom up. Right. So hiring people is terrible. I've, I've never met anybody that likes hiring. So if you don't have to hire 10 warehouse workers and you can just outsource that to someone else that runs a warehouse for you, you've saved the mental capacity, like you said, and the time and all those things of having to deal with things like that. Well, and, and it's, and it's more than that because it's also all the rule changes, you know, you're dealing with, if you're selling on, um, like Wesley sells on Amazon and eBay, 
and a little bit of Walmart. Then you have a Shopify store. And then if you had Jed in there and if you had Newegg or any of those others, each one of them have their own nuances, I'll call it, right? To keep up on all them, and they're always changing and evolving, right? The world changes and evolves. Um, and then you add FedEx, UPS, and um, uh, USPS changing and evolving. You've got so many moving pieces that you've got to figure out and stay up on. And to me, that's something... You know, well, you mentioned something, and I hadn't thought about this. Do you have the ability to help my business when it does come to cost? I mean, is that something you're looking at saving me money? Um, therefore, could it offset the payments that I'm making you guys? I mean, is that something that you can help evaluate for people? So actually, I can give a little story. Uh, like I said, my partner Chris was on your podcast. I guess it Chris was Potter, two, right? Yes, Chris Potter was on your podcast. I guess it was about two weeks ago. Um, we had someone reach out to us, uh, that said, Hey, I heard about you guys on the podcast. I'm interested in seeing, you know, what it looks like because I've been sending, this was an East coast customer and he's been sending his private label products from China all the way around through the canal and everything to him. And he's far farther toward the center of the country than we are. And we looked at it for him and talked through it with him. And we were actually able, it looks like, to save him the cost of our service, like all-inclusive, just in the fact that he doesn't have to LTL truck freight his items past the Charlotte hub. Hmm. So anything he saves in time, space in his house, things like that, it, you have to look at everything. Not That's just, free. That's free. Yeah. All that's free to it. Jeez. And so when you start thinking about, because when you start thinking about touch points, I, I everything for me is a touch point, right? In, in the old world, that's what I would do is reduce touch points. In a warehouse, it's exactly the same. Every time somebody moves a pallet, there's a cost. And it's funny, you know, because we do a little bit of uh, warehousing work for just a few private label people. Very, very few. Very, and we, we have some, you know, some different things. But it's true. Every time a truck, I'm waiting for a truck to come today. Somebody's got to unload it. Well, there's a cost to that, right? And then you got to move it. There's a cost to it, right? Everything, even the equipment to use. Oh, yeah, nobody thinks about Well, there's a cost to all that stuff. And when you don't have to tie up your capital and all those things or the capital and the labor because you're paying a flat fee, a true variable cost on that item. Um, and if you don't have them, right, there's no, there's no charge. That's valuable, especially in your growth phase of your business. And I just think that's really important. You know, I got to us there because I'm, I'm very interested in this. Um, I think it's a very current issue. Uh, warehouses are hot. People want a warehouse. People don't want a warehouse. And so I just think you got to figure out, I think you said it best, when there are maybe three out of 100 that like packing boxes. And if you're one of those three, man, go all in. If you're not, Maybe you're in sales or maybe you're in sourcing. Maybe that part that you love, you got to figure that out and then find the right partner. So I want to talk about you were, you still sell, right? You, you've had a, you know, you're almost a seven figure seller. So you're not, this isn't new for you. How long have you been selling? Um, I believe I'm coming up on year three. We started actually funny. The first thing that got me selling was I, moved over from the manufactured spending aspect like a lot of you know initial sellers did and the first thing that got me selling was when discover did that double up deal 
for up to 10k in spend. So I guess that was August or September of 2014, 2015. I'm not familiar with that. Tell me what that was. So basically, Discover decided when they first got adopted into Apple Pay that they would give you 10% back on anything that you purchased with Apple Pay. And then at the end of a year, they would double it. So you so get you 20% had, off in essence. Yes, you got 20% off up to $10,000. Wow. And spent up to $10,000 in spend. So that's what got me churning. I was like, I can go to Best Buy and use Apple Pay, or I'm in a large city. It's kind of odd that Charlotte actually has two Apple stores. So I could walk right in the Apple store. And this was the holiday season. I did what everybody else did. You got the iPads off the shelf, bought the iPads from Apple when no one else had them around Christmas, so the price was inflated, bought them with Apple Pay, and made you know, 25 30% on them, and that just kind of started the spiral. So, we'll so even without them on sale, it was t you got 10% off immediately, knowing that you were going to get another 10% rebate eventually. And then yes. you were able to take the advantage of the arbitrage difference on top yes. of that. <laughs> yes. Nice, nice. So and so that's easy because those are expensive items. You don't need a lot of them. Um, you can eat up ten grand pretty quick, but man, they flip fast, really fast, right? Yes, yes. Hmm. All right. And so that was uh, you were part time at that point. You weren't full time. No, that's correct. Yeah. And so, so why why selling? I mean, that didn't just come to your mind. You didn't say, "Hey, I want to be I want to be a reseller. I want to um, you know own my own sales business." I don't think. I mean, it sounds like you had some other careers. Why? What was attractive to you about this? Well, essentially, um, like I said, I worked on cars for almost a decade. and Because you I, loved them or because um, that was a career you took? Um, it's funny. The saying is, do something you love and you'll never work a day out of your life. That's right. a lot. Um, <laughs> Well, it becomes a job. I always say that there's a yeah. four-letter word, a yeah. job, or, a, or work is a four-letter word. So you got to be careful about that. Yeah, it if it'll take your hobby and turn it into something you yeah. hate. Yeah. So when I started, I loved cars, loved working on cars. I still love cars, but it became a grind. And every day you would wake up and you would have another ache or another pain because you're standing on your feet eight nine hours a day picking up. You know, things that are way too heavy for one person to pick up, using your motor skills and your arms and stuff. And I just woke up one day and I said, hey, when I'm 40 years old, 50 years old, I don't want to be like some of these other guys that have had their knees replaced and their hips replaced and they can't hardly function in the morning. I just don't want to do that. So what else can I do? And, and so I, it, it, did you have somebody else lead you this way? I mean, because that's a big, broad statement. What else can I do? I mean, that's a wide open statement because you can do anything, right? I mean, you can, you know, you can be, you know, digging shells out on the beach, right? You could, I mean, there's a million different things. Why this? That is an interesting question. Like I said, I kind of like, it was funny. It was kind of a rabbit hole. I started by saying, hey, what can I do to get, make my credit better? And then that turned into, hey, what are these? What's this manufactured spending? What are these credit card rewards I can have? Because I want to go on all these trips, but I don't want to pay oh. for them. So it was a travel 
excitement thing for you. Did you see somebody having success with that and that, that's what made it attractive? Not so much a specific person, but like you, like a lot of people, I followed all those blogs. I followed, you know, okay. the the manufactured spin blogs, the guys that were trying travel around the world for you know, $12. Yeah. $12. Dollar. And, and I'm just, in, you know, in yeah. Jamaica today. And yeah. Yeah. And I saw things like that and I was like, well, I mean, obviously I want to make a lot of money in my life, but if I can do this for free, why wouldn't I and spend my money on other things? So I was like, okay, well we can try this. And then I proceeded to drag my girlfriend back and forth to uh, my favorite gift card spot three or four times a week and build up gift card points. And the payoff was trips, you know, here and there and everywhere. And then eventually, like I said, the discover deal came along and I started selling things and I got a little more knowledge and I made some connections, which led to more knowledge and more product and things like that. And eventually I woke up one day and I was like, this could probably be my ticket out of the shop. This could be my yeah. ticket out working on cars for the rest of my life. Did, did the, was it, as I'm thinking about, cause you said this before is that, you know, you gotta be careful because your hobby could become your, you know, a job, right. In an awful way, not in a good way. And did this like satisfy that piece of, that, you know, thrill of the hunt, you know, getting credit card points and things like that, and then rewarding, right? Then you get to see, and then you go sit at a beach or do whatever with that. Is that, did that get you back into that excitement of your hobby, kind of like become the new hobby, I guess is the right way to say it? I guess you could say that. It, I know you're, you're somewhat into selling. A lot of people that listen to your podcast obviously are. A lot of people have done arbitrage. It was kind of like, like I said, walking around the corner at Walmart and finding that giant display of clearance Xboxes or mm, okay. whatever it may be. It was kind of like that where you get the instant thrill. Yeah. Yeah. The instant high. Yeah. That's really what yeah. it is. Yeah. It's a that's, rush. Okay. It's the payoff. Yeah. And eventually I just, I don't know. That's what I wanted to do every day. And I was like, well, I can do this. Well, but here's the thing. You know, I know you're, you're downplaying it like it's not a big deal, but you don't get to a million dollars in sales um, without connecting and being really successful at it. I mean, you know, some people say, wow, that's easy, Steve. Yeah, it doesn't mean he's making money. I get all that. I get all that. But, you know, we'll dig a little deeper in the story, but you've got a lot of moving pieces. That takes skills to be able to handle all those multiple sales channels, to be able to set up a Shopify store, let alone put inventory on it, have some success on it, to, to add Walmart and to add these. This is, these are skill sets. These are, these are um, so clearly you connected with you. So when you think back to why you've had so much success selling, what is it that you would say are the traits, the skills um, that led you to have this level of success? Cause I think there's value in that. Cause I, you didn't go to school for it. Fair. Correct. Yeah. Correct. You, you went, you learned to be an automotive technician. That doesn't sound like sales. Uh, that no. doesn't sound like buying. That sounds technical, like skills, mm -hmm. you know, machines, you can fix things. You got that ability. What was it, or what would you say, uh, has given you the ability to be this successful 
with all these moving pieces. I think that's the more attractive part to me too. It's not the sales number. It's the fact that you've got it on so many different places, which I think is very, very powerful. Um, the disclaimer to that, most of the sales are Amazon, obviously, sure. you know, you go where the, you go where the people are. Um, but like you said, there is a benefit to being, uh, to having a web of avenues because you never know when something's going to happen and a fallback is always good. Um, but I think the most powerful thing for me has been just connections, whether it's someone you see in your day to day that you would have never thought could help you in business or whether it's hmm. someone you see in a Facebook group or something, someone you see at a conference that you talk to always be willing to talk to people and try to do it with an open mind because no one knows everything and everyone knows something that you don't. Well, you Most said something there and I think that's powerful. Would be honest. Would you have a preconceived notion about them? You'd look at them like, yeah, you know, come on. What's that guy going to teach me? And then you were like, oh, and then all of a sudden the barriers are gone and you're like, I better listen to everybody. Did that happen? Um, I think over time it kind of morphed into that because I would not necessarily talk to someone, but you know, you're on Facebook and you see a conversation and you, you're somewhat interested in the topic. So you read it and you see something someone says that you would have never expected uh, okay. to say something useful to you, and you're like, hey, whoa, yeah, maybe I should listen more. You know, that's a, uh, I don't know if it's a man thing only. Um, could be. But it's definitely, I hate to say, it's an ego thing, for at least for Steve. And this is Steve talking, not you. But if, for me, it is. It's an ego thing. And I've been humbled so many times when I sit back and say, holy cow, I had such the wrong preconceived notion um, and I'm wrong. I mean, it, it makes me feel bad because I, I thought, and then all of a sudden I'm like, wow. And then it really humbles you <laughs> and it brings you back. And I, I think that's healthy. At least it's been healthy for me to have that happen. Cause then it's like, okay, now I need to be respectful of everyone. Because like you said, you never know who has that best idea. Yeah. You definitely have to, you have to go into everything, giving everyone the benefit of the doubt, which is really hard for some people, me included, it's not just you. Um, when you look at someone and you're like, now what, what use, what, how can they help me? Not necessarily. How can I help them? How can they help me? Which is not how you should look at things. That's you selfish, should, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. And you should look at it and say, Hey, if I listen to this guy, if I give this guy a nugget of information, when he asks a question, maybe, maybe not right now, but maybe in six months, maybe in a year, this guy will circle back around and say, hey, he helped me when I needed some help, and now he needs some help, so I'll help him. Hmm. It's, it's more of a give and take. There's too much – I think there's too many people in the business world now that only look at things as a dollar figure. Like yeah. they're paying me X to do X for them, whereas you need to look at it as, hey, if I do this guy a favor, that's not going to really cost me anything – in a year or in five years, he's going to be much more willing to help me out and not take me behind the woodshed, so to speak, and charge me out the yin-yang to do something for me that I need help with. Or he might help somebody else who helps somebody else who eventually helps you. You know, yeah. you never know. I mean, you think about some of the outliers in this world. You know who they are. They weren't yeah. always an outlier. 
they rose, right? And so that means that the guy you're sitting next to right now could be an outlier, just hasn't found his lane yet. And when they do, then they all of a sudden skyrocket. And you're always like, wow, he's really killed it. Well, he had that ability that didn't just magically come to him. It just, he figured it out or he got down the right lane and all of a sudden exploded in that. And so by helping others with no expectation is the phrase I use, um, eventually, um, I think it works back to you because he helps somebody else and then they help somebody else. And eventually you're going to need help. I don't care who you are. When you think about, um, partnerships, uh, that's a challenge for a lot of people. What makes you and Chris have a good, uh, and I don't know what level of partnership. I know that's a, that's a broad term again. I don't mean, I don't want to get into your business, but what makes the relationship work for you guys? So it's really funny. Um, up until I guess a year or so ago, like I knew who Chris was from like groups and things like that, but I had no idea that he was, you know, 25 minutes down the road from me. <laughs> That's funny. So he was actually closing down his old warehouse and I went and met up with him and got a bunch of random supplies from him. And we started talking and we just kept talking and I'd always had this idea in the back of my head that, hey, I like logistics. I like prep. I don't necessarily – I'll be one of the three. I actually like packing boxes even though obviously that's a low task and I should should have someone else do that. But I still like doing it sometimes. So I was like I could do like a prep operation and we started talking about it casually and one thing led to another. I – I had already outgrown my old warehouse, so I was going to get something new. So it was an opportunity to add that aspect to the business and not have to compromise space for other things. And so we just kind of like felt it out and we did a bunch of planning sessions where he came in the office and we made my whiteboard look un look just terrible. Looks like it had scribbles all over it and we kind of just hashed it out and figured it out and he has a lot of ability to like systems automation things like that standard operating procedures he has a really good rapport with people he's not afraid to be in front of a group and talk he's shy on the inside yeah 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 whereas i, I i've gotten better at it over my time uh, talking to people and being in front of people, but I still don't think I could give a presentation to a group of 500 and not like wake up in a cold sweat the morning <laughs> before or something. Um, but no, knowing so, that you're a number that you're in that, not, not a number two position. I don't want to say it that way, but knowing that you want to be behind the scenes more, if that's the yeah. right, better term. Yes. Knowing that takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it's good to know that I can defer Yeah. when, like, I know he told me he's getting ready to possibly do a news article with a major news outlet on a subject that is very important to a lot of us. Um, and I know that, like, if that ever came up for our business, he would be the one that would do it, and I wouldn't have to stress about that. Yeah, I right. can sit in the back. I can handle what I'm good at and let him handle what he's good at. And it works together to have a more broad range of like compatible skill sets for both of us because 
Go ahead. Well, no, it's important that you get this. Um, so there's that control issue. Yes. Right? Letting go. That's almost like a maturity thing to me. When you're comfortable enough in your skin, you're self-aware enough to say, you know what? That's his thing. He's better at it. Awesome. Go for it. Give him all the support he needs. And then behind the scenes, you know, whatever you need, boom, boom, boom. Like you said, it's, it's almost freeing, I think, in some ways, isn't it? It's definitely somewhat freeing, and it definitely allows you to concentrate on the things that you're good at and get better at the things that you're good at without having the pressure of yeah. doing all those things you don't want to do. Yeah, I think that's powerful. I think that more people, and it, I, I, this is Steve again talking, it's hard to do as a guy because I'm supposed to be able to do it. I don't ask for directions. There's no chance I'm asking for directions. I'll figure it out, right? I don't Absolutely. open up instructions. I saw somebody was putting together, I think Rich Siak is putting together Ikea furniture. I saw that note. Um, I was going to send him a note, don't look at the directions. I'm not, I'll, otherwise, I'll have to call in your man card. And it's just part of that. That's just goofy, but it's it's true. That's my nature. And so... I think it's uh, tough as a guy, but boy, when you start maturing at that level and getting to that comfort zone, I just think it's very helpful. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is that you have enough information to, to be dangerous about Seller Fulfilled Prime. Because I think, I think um, your location, you're in North Carolina, so you're on the East Coast, a little further south than me, but you have phenomenal reach from where you're at, right? Do you, do you know how many states you can do Seller Fulfilled Prime from your location? Um, actually, it's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. And I actually looked at it the other day and I was shocked as I type away. Give me two seconds and I will tell you an exact, an exact location. Whoa. But basically we can cover the whole East coast all the way up to like the tip of the country where no one lives because it's like the Arctic tundra all the time. I don't know why you would do that. Sorry. Um, we can cover in two days via ground. Now, this is like a FedEx product or something, so it's going to be a little more expensive than your post office. We can cover all the way into Kansas. We can cover till the edge of Texas. We'll go up through Missouri and basically half of Wisconsin. It's kind of a curve like that. So you're, can... you're like 80% of the U.S. population, too. And I mean, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the only major population hub that we can't hit is Texas and California. Right, right, and and probably Washington State. And and yeah. uh, um, um, what's the other one up there? Oregon. Um, all, uh, although you know nobody lives there. Um, nobody lives in Oregon. Nobody, nobody lives there. <laughs> That's not true. But uh, so so again, you could really do it. And and so I'm interested in this because I really believe you know that in the future that this is going to be. Um, a very competitive, uh, a big competitive advantage. However, okay, so I don't offer it yet. I want to, but I don't understand it enough. So I understand the concept. Let, let's just break it down. So basically, as a Prime member, that person gets the benefit of getting their Prime two-day delivery, yet it comes from your warehouse as opposed to FBA, correct? That's the premise. Correct. That is the whole premise behind her, yeah. Okay, so it needs to be two days. And what I do understand, too, is that you can set up shipping plans in Amazon to say, hey, I can ship this in two days to, as you, to that geographic area you just described. Yes. Where it gets uncomfortable for me is kind of as you were talking about with 
zones. So from what I understand, I mean, so if I did a, uh, a USPS, and let's just say it's, it's the, this size that fits in a flat rate padded envelope, it's going to be 650 or whatever it is, um, several states around me. Mm-hmm. But then as you described it, when you're getting to the tundra, um, you know, Maine or wherever it is, you have to switch to that next level. That's where it gets like, huh, yet you don't have the ability in the system to say, hey, at least now this is where Steve doesn't understand. Um, I, do I have the ability to say, hey, it's the $6.50 charge, then it, you know, in my, in my math business, right? So I know that I'm selling it for 50 bucks and I know I'm going to eat six fifty um, on these States, but these next States are $14 because it's not $8, it's $14 or something like that. Yeah. And so it's six or $8 more. How does that work? So that's one of the things that I've been like, you'll have, if you have connections into the seller fulfill prime team, and that's one of the things I've been asking for is, Hey, once you get beyond your prime area, I'd like to be able to charge shipping and still offer them this expedited option for a cost, because obviously your costs go up a lot when you have to go from a ground to an air product, or I want really slow shipping so I can ship it the cheapest way possible. Right now, what you do is you offer free two-day to Prime members. Obviously, that's what they get all the time, supposedly from FBA. Um, And then outside of Prime, non-Prime customers or even Prime customers in an area that you don't have enabled get, uh, I believe it's free standard. So that's like five day or seven day, something like that. So let's stop there. So that, that then met the requirement that you were saying that you get to use a cheaper, which would be, let's say, uh, uh, priority mail, even yes. though, it, but it's outside of two days, but you yes. get the benefit of it being seven bucks anywhere in the country. Okay. Yes. Okay. So one of the things I like to do is, like you said, you have all your shipping templates. I actually have a bunch of different templates, and you can play the cutoff times to your advantage to actually get three days sometimes or even four or five days if you have a weekend involved. So you can hit more of the country, supposedly, via a ground. Okay, Just, so that's turning it on Wednesday, if I'm, what I understand, right? Yeah. By launching on Wednesday, this is one of the secret pro tips, launching it on Wednesday, that shipping plan, turning it off then on Monday or Sunday, yeah. I guess, right? Friday. Friday. Oh, Friday, you turn it off. Friday, yeah. Okay, all right. Unless there's a holiday or something, right? There's something good yeah. you can do. Okay, so that's an option. When I mean, why why do you think that they're offering this? Is it to re, uh, alleviate pressure in their warehouses? I mean, that kind of makes sense. So my theory is twofold. Uh, one, what they originally offered it for, what I was told by somebody within Seller Fulfill Prime was that they offered it for larger companies that have multiple warehouses. So if you have, say, a West Coast warehouse, a Kansas warehouse, or wherever, Kansas, Missouri, something like that, and an East Coast warehouse, you can theoretically hit 99% of the country in two days via ground. So that was their thinking. And so that person would then have, let's say they're water bottles they would have their water bottles as you said on the east coast the midwest 
and West Coast, and then therefore those would ship two days to each one. Yes. Okay. You can ship two days from somewhere to everyone. That was designed for people with multiple warehouses, big operations. That is what they claim it's for. My thought is it's kind of that, but also they want to get those people's stuff out of their warehouse. Because if you notice, Amazon's not opening warehouses as fast as they used to. And that is correlating to them making more money, which obviously they're a for-profit company. So that is eventually their end goal, even though they've been really bad at it so far. So that's my thought. Hmm. And so in that scenario, it kind of makes sense, right? And it just gives them the ability. They already have their distribution network out there. Everything's great. Ooh, now you can just tap into our customer base and they're seeing it. Like you said, it's profitable for them. It's probably the most profitable for them because they don't have to touch it, right? Back to these touch points, right? They never have to touch it. They get paid a percentage. Life is very, very good. They get paid a yes. high percentage. Hmm. Yeah, I, the prime bump, you will call it, because yeah. everybody knows you can go, you know, a couple percent over the guy that's only merchant fulfilling and still get the, still get the sale if you're a prime seller. Now that, so does that then... If that was the design, does that preclude it then? I mean, should we even waste our time looking at it? If that's the model, and we're not that model because you're on one location on the East Coast, I'm in one location on the East Coast. Is that just, we should just stay away from it and just stay within our little circle? I mean, so offer it because it, we can, but like in those closed states and stop trying to figure out um, because it, you know, it's effort again, right? I mean, it's back to, there's touch points, right? So. Now, you know, I used to send everything to FBA. Now I got to hold space and now I got to store it and then I got to manage it, right? And there's management. Whenever you have inventory sitting on your shelves that's for sale, you do have to manage it, right? You have to find yes. it and that kind of jazz. And then you got to pack it and ship it. Um, is it not worthwhile unless you're, you know, uh, geographic across the U.S.? So my opinion is it's worthwhile to learn how to do everything they offer because they Amazon's not dumb. They're continually trying to do more things to get more items showing two day prime so they can sell more prime subscriptions and they can make more money. Um, so I think that they're going to keep working on these programs and do more things just from what I've heard about what's in the pipeline. I think they're still working on it and trying to do better. And then also if you don't try everything, someone else is trying it and right. they're finding the advantages. Yeah, You're going to get a competitive advantage. That makes sense. Yes. Okay. All right. Is it the other thing that I had thought about because again, it's a cost issue, right? You apparently they just took away the ability to use first class mail. Okay, because that was an option. That's gone. I'm gonna give you some breaking news. Okay, it's back. Oh, it's back. <laughs> okay, so they it's never announced it, but it came back last week one day, okay. and I breathed a sigh of relief because it's yeah, because that's the money, right? I mean, there's first class is the maximum is what four dollars and thirty cents with no discounts or something like that, whatever it is. That's yeah, the max. And so you have to price it. So I was thinking about this, and I'm, I'm a math guy. And so for me, I wonder, is it a size? Is there an optimal size for the product? If so, what is it? Is there an optimal weight for the product? If so, what is it? Is there an optimal dollar amount? And if so, what is it? So I'm looking for where I can just sit there and say, okay, because 
you know, there are people out there that source oversized products because there's a lot less competition on it. Makes perfect sense, right? Yes. If you have the capacity to handle it, manage it, and 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 or they they source more expensive items because people are limited on capital, and so therefore there's less competition, right? That's competitive. Makes sense. Yeah. I think this, I would say, it would be cool if I could say, hey, you're looking for things that you know, Steve, are about four pounds, that are you know, thirty eight square inches. And they sell in the fifty to seventy dollar range, and then the rank and all the rest of that nonsense. That's what I want. And then I would just throw that in the model, and then boom, everything I measure against does it fit the model? If it does, boom, I can put that in. Now I got competitive advantage. Have you figured that out? Um, somewhat. I will say that I haven't experimented a lot on the upper end of the spectrum in weights, just because. You know, once you get over one pound and go into a non, once you go into something that has zones, it gets a lot more murky and it'll vary a lot based on where you are in the country. Like someone could be in Missouri and could sell something, sell or fulfill prime for a lot lower price than I could just because they can charge less shipping and still cover the whole country because it doesn't make sense then right you're the first person i think who's going to say this that steve you shouldn't use an average cost when you're doing seller fulfilled prime in your math model (sighs) or are you you shouldn't you shouldn't that's what i'm asking you shouldn't use an average cost because where are you going to find your average because the steps between zone, you know, two, three, four, five, six, and seven are not really linear because, you know, zone two to zone four, zone four is not double what zone two is or something crazy. There's not an easy way to figure it out unless you spend, you know, hundreds of hours looking at rate and zone charts and three months just so in six more months they can change the rates and you have to redo it. So if it's you sell a, 10 SKUs, then then you, you could do that? Yeah. Okay. It, it's an it's a scale thing. Like, okay. Just like somebody with a repricer. If you have 50 SKUs, you shouldn't be paying for a repricer. If you have 5,000, that tilts, that tilts the scale a little bit to that. Okay. Now, having said that, the things that I sell a lot of SFP – are the under one pound, the things that are technically eligible for first class. Okay. Everybody thinks you can't use first class for seller fulfilled prime because it's not a guaranteed two day delivery, all that. That's not true. You can use first class. You just have to do a little work and figure out your zones. And actually, Amazon will actually provide uh, a big spreadsheet basically if you contact the seller fulfilled prime team and tell you how many days it should take to get from you to every zip or every zone in the country that they break out in the templates, the average days in a percentage scale. And you can actually figure out from that what you can do reliably in those amount of days. That's why I have like four different templates. I have one for first class that'll go on like you said, after cutoff Wednesday, I can pretty much cover the whole country from the East Coast. Hmm. 
Whereas if you're in Missouri, you can cover most of the whole country probably in three days, whereas I technically need four to cover the whole country. So It interests me because does that then mean that, you know, I want to hit X number of dollars in sales, Wesley? By mm -hmm. doing what you're describing and getting that competitive advantage, even though sometimes it's three days a week, not all seven, right? Or sometimes it's, you know, whatever, these products versus those products. Working on your business, doing that management, that extra steps, uh, those extra steps allows you to reduce SKUs because now you've got a competitive advantage on these SKUs, as you said, under a pound or whatever. Um, and therefore, you get to work on your business and you could reduce the complexity, I think. I mean, to me, that's very exciting. <laughs> Yes and no. Uh -oh. I think it Come on, I just say yes, Steve. You are brilliant. That's exactly it. You have to give me the real a, world. <laughs> you have it figured out. Yeah. Oh, I got the answer. I see the lights. I, the, the beam of light just came through my office window. It's amazing. <laughs> I think where you see the big advantage is carrying more total, having more total SKUs fall within your realm. Where I see an advantage for SFP is things that are ranked like, you know, 1.5 million in clothing or something that you can get a great ROI on and you know it'll sell eventually, but you don't want to send it to Amazon's warehouse and pay 12 months of storage because then you're not making any money. Okay, so you, you had the opportunity to buy it. It was a great deal. You just know it's not going to sell for in, in 30 days, right? The goal. Yeah. So it's going to yeah. turn in 90 to 120, or it's seasonal. I think seasonal is a good example too, right? Yeah, seasonal is a great example of that. Like you can have Christmas decorations still technically yeah. on Prime April when they're sitting in your warehouse. Because people buy it. Yes. Absolutely. They might, you know, they might buy, you know, they're going to buy in November, but they, some, you know, I, for example, Christmas lights, I, I never knew this, never thought about this because I'm, you know, a guy um, that people buy Christmas lights for other purpose than Christmas. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, I never have. So I guess, but I get it now that when you, when it's like, oh, that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. And someone wants to buy it and 99% of buyers on Amazon are going to skew toward the prime seller. So that allows you to get that, like I said, the prime bump, get your six to 8% higher price and still get the sale and not be paying storage fees because you have no clue when something's going to sell like that in an off season. So can you do this? I mean, because I can MF an item and FBA it. That's, that's perfectly yep. fine. Can you, yep. M, can you S, SFP and FBA an item? Yes. Okay. You can actually do all three if you really want okay. to. Okay. So, so then competitively, so that example, the Christmas lights is a good one, I think. So you could leave that on SFP all year long in that region. You can make it non-SFP in the outer regions, right? And yep. then come FBA time, send it in FBA to get that benefit of scale, right, for help. Yep. Oh, that's very cool. <laughs> yep, you can do all three. So, oh. yeah, again, you're working on your business then. You're not adding more responsibility. You're, you're really taking advantage of each. And, and I think that's kind of where the conversation got us to, is you're really taking advantage of each piece of your business, the tools that are available, um, because there's so many moving pieces, right? When you think about all this different business, um, this really could be another way to master just a piece of it. They're very cool. Yeah, definitely.
And another thing, actually, that I've seen that's a benefit of it is like your arbitrage sellers that only have five of something or ten of something. Well, you're going to wait five days for it to get to the Amazon warehouse and check in. So maybe you should keep one or two of those and put them on Merchant Fulfilled or SFP so that you have an offer while your other ones are going in. And then when that gets in stock, you send those other ones in. And so it allows you to have exposure to the SKU while UPS or FedEx or whoever's doing their work and the Amazon warehouse. Is so while the iron's hot, if, if, if that product is hot and you just ha end up getting the buy box because you're the only one with it, boom, while yours are on your way. I think that's smart too. Used to yep. be, um, used to be, and I don't know that it's true now. I haven't looked at it, but there was a time when I would send stuff you know, I use um, inventory placement. And so there was a time I would send, you know, all my, if I was selling shoes, they would go to one warehouse. If I was selling other stuff, it would go to a warehouse. Um, that when I put stuff up for sale on its way, it would actually sell. Um, I don't know whether they do that anymore. So literally it went to one of the, the distribution warehouses and they would ship it, you know. And I, didn't <laughs> know that, I don't know whether they do that anymore um, just because they've now gotten so much bigger. Um, but there was a time when I would put something in and it literally would sell out and I'd be like, man, I'm already out of them. They never even made it to the warehouse. Um, I'm yes. not sure they do that anymore. Hmm. They kind of do that with the back order, but they won't say you have anything until they check it in and verify you do. But okay. then if you're back ordered, it, it's a little more murky. If you're back ordered, you're less likely to get the buy box and all that stuff, but it is still there. That's my thought. Okay. Now you guys also, you prep. Do you fulfill for others too? Do you offer these seller fulfilled services for sellers too? So we're not offering seller fulfilled prime yet. Um, it's something we're working on. We want to get some more processes in place. We want to do a trial, you know, with one or two clients that accept that they're our guinea pig for. Because that's whatever. a lot of responsibility, right? Yeah. They accept that they are a guinea pig for whatever benefit we offer them to do it. We we don't want to launch something to a large group of people before trying it. Yeah, and disappoint them. Like I mean, business. Yeah, yeah. It's awful. Um, but we do we will do straight merchant fulfillment for customers now. Um, it's not something we openly advertise, but it is something we're getting ready to openly advertise. We just haven't updated the website, essentially. Okay. And it's one of those things that, so if they have their own Shopify store um, or whatever, uh, or they sell on Walmart, for example, and, yeah. um, you know, can't go FBA, so it needs to be in a box. Okay. You know, yeah. one, of the, one of the things in your notes, you know, I do a little bit of research in advance, very little. I really want to hear the story um, because... You know, I always say that you're not going to learn how to do all these different things on my show. It's not the kind of show I have. Uh, there are so many better people than I, you know, like Chris Potter. Go listen to his because he knows, or Robin Johnson. They know the details. That's not Steve. I like the story. One of the things that was interesting in your story is that you had a Shopify store, and that takes skill to build up and out, and you're scaling back on it. Can you talk about, because I think a lot of people think that that's the answer. Oh, Wesley, this is the, I'm building a Shopify store. I'm going to make millions. It's going to be the easiest thing in the world. There, people are going to be falling over to buy from my store. Has that been your experience? And if not, why are you pulling back on it? So to answer the first part of your question, Amazon 
like 52% of online product searches start on Amazon or some crazy statistic like that. I think it's 54, but yeah, you're right there. Yeah, almost all. It used to be Google. No, no. No. Yeah, people go to Amazon first versus Google, which even if they go to Google, Amazon's going to be the first result. Hmm. So the difficulty in doing a Shopify store, while it sounds great, is you have to figure out how to get traffic. And Amazon is really good at making sure they get all the traffic they want and more. So you have to figure out what you can do to drive people to your actual store. Um, one of the things that I did, I would actually, I, I focused on a very specific niche just to test it out. And I would actually interact as the store with like, reddit groups and facebook groups for this niche and things like that and it built up kind of a rapport so people would say hey i'm gonna buy it from you because you were really helpful um because like i said the the challenge is traffic right um and so you were authentic with people you'd help them and then they feel not a quid pro quo they just say hey you know what you were real you helped me i'm of course i'm gonna buy from you that that's fair that's a relationship you developed a relationship is that scalable (laughs) Not really. That's part of the problem. Um, The end game when I started was scale it enough via the relationship that then word of mouth would take over. But word of mouth only goes so far and word of mouth isn't nearly as effective if you aren't the least expensive option. Hmm. Which... Everyone that sells on Amazon knows that Amazon will give people things for nearly nothing. Like they'll sell under cost. They don't care. So it's really hard to defeat Amazon in price. And so you're just going where the market is. In essence, that's what you're saying. You're just saying, hey, I've got limited resource time, right? Not money. It's time issue. Um, I've got this other kind of big thing going on with this warehouse thing. Therefore, something's got to give. And so you went the path of least resistance because you're going where the money is. Okay, that's fair. That makes sense. And so people who are in this listen to that and think about it that, you know, everybody says, okay, you got to have a Shopify store. It's great to have. It's great if you're going to get wholesale accounts because it gives you some legitimacy, right? That makes sense. But if your purpose is thinking that you're going to sell on your own Shopify store. Now, there are outliers. You know, Brandon Dupsky would tell you that. I mean, he's a, he sells 90, 95% of his sales are on his website, not Amazon or eBay or Walmart or anything. But they're hard to find, those outliers. Um, I, think, I think a lot of it is if you're niched, right? If you, if you were the inventor of the, I don't know, I could know a good example on my desk, um, this particular, I, I really don't have an advantage. I, I have nothing on my desk that you could be like, wow. There's only one of, um, but if you were the, an artist, for example, might be a good one where you create statues and you're famous for those statues. I think then it makes sense, right? Uh, stand yeah. alone. All right. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So one of the, the goals of the podcast is to help people who get stuck. And I think, I think you're in a good position to offer advice because a, you're a seller, you scaled your seller, you sell on multiple channels. You've had a lot of success with it. You haven't been selling very long, so clearly you have figured some stuff out. And you're self-aware, and you realize that you like the logistics side of this business, hence you have a warehouse and a service that you offer. What's your advice 
for others um, that get stuck, that haven't, haven't been able to make that mental transition. Um, they just, they just, they're doing everything and probably none of it right, and they're spinning. What's your advice? Um, I recently started doing the, the 80, 20 approach is what it's normally called. Something like 20% of what you do creates 80% of your revenue. Figure out what you're doing. That's not making you money. If, and I mean, actually making you money and everyone knows that it's, a contest to see who can have the highest revenue numbers. Revenue doesn't really mean a lot. Um, you need to find what's actually profitable and focus on those things. And if you have any time left over, you can work on your pure revenue generators because maybe that's something that's just an efficiency of scale thing where if you could do it more, it would be more profitable versus just a pretty sales number. Um, so the big thing with that is, like we talked about earlier, find something you can either eliminate that doesn't benefit you or find someone that can help you, whether it be a partner or whether it be an outsourced company to do something for you, you know, feedback, logistics, a virtual assistant, anything like that, that you can do that, yes, maybe they have an upfront cost, but over time, you will make up that cost and more in your ability to focus on other things that you want to actually focus on that make your money. It's almost like a faith issue, right? It's almost like, hey, I know if I put more energy and effort over here that I'll get tenfold. So now I got to find a way to get that. That means I'm going to have to give up something like a shop, like maintaining a Shopify store. It probably didn't cost you a lot of money or whatever, but it still took effort. So by scaling that back and, and scaling that, yes, I'm giving up something. Maybe it's even a little bit profitable, but it's not in my top 20% uh, or top yeah, 20, giving me 80. Uh, therefore, step back. I think it's good advice. <laughs> yes. Okay. The, so, the thing that a lot of people don't understand about Shopify is that there's not a there's not a customer service rep answering questions <laughs> and people have lots and lots of questions and they get very angry even if it's sunday at 4 30 in the afternoon if they don't have an answer within like an hour so it it becomes a real mental drain for sure yeah and, and a lot of shopify sellers are drop shippers and so yeah. you're right i mean that those couple hours and their world is enormous um, so they, yeah. yeah, they, they don't want to lose. Okay. All right. So if somebody has more information, wants more information again, um, they offer services, they have a, a warehouse and they offer uh, prep and fulfillment. They're down in North Carolina. Um, what's the website name? It is qcfulfillment.com. Qcfulfillment.com. Is there a way to contact you on that site if they have follow-up questions? Um, yes, absolutely. There is an inquiry form, I believe, at the bottom of every page where you can send us a question or you can just send myself a direct email. My email is wesley at qcfulfillment.com or if you see me on Facebook somewhere, feel free to send me a message. I'm not afraid. Okay. And I'll put your Facebook contact. Okay. Hey, dude, I really appreciate you taking the time. I think you absolutely explained some things on Seller Fulfill Prime that I did not understand. I think what your logic, um, I think it's, it's almost to, to the point where if you find the right product, you could set up 
almost a custom program for that product. Yeah. The problem is you can't do it for 5,000. So if yeah. you're scaling back, if you figured out your lane, this is absolutely a way that you can gain competitive advantages. And I think you have to find a way to gain competitive advantages today, especially when you're competing against people or other countries that are selling and you know, anything you can do. And so I just think it's powerful. So thank you so much, man. I wish you nothing but success. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a great one. Great story. Great job explaining it. I know I got a little technical um, there, but I'm, I'm interested in it because, again, I think you have to figure out your secret sauce. What competitive advantage do you have? You might not have the most money. Okay, therefore, you can't buy and get the better price and offer the lowest um, competitively. You can then afford more discounts, right? Or you can't, um, you don't have space, so you have to outsource to other things, and therefore there's a cost and, and those kind of things. So I think you've got to take a look at yourself, look at where you want to go. Again, be self-aware. You know, you don't want to create that four-letter work and call it a four-letter thing because it's bad. You want to have a life. I want you to create a four-letter life, right? To me, that's very exciting. And so I think he did a great job of explaining it. And I think it, you're going to hear more and more about this. And you got to keep figuring it out. And so for Steve, he's trying to figure it out. I'm not going all in, kind of like Wesley said. I'm not offering it. I'm not for us even until I understand it and what works, what makes sense for our business. And then I'm going to go all in because I think I've got a big competitive advantage, right? You want to figure out yours too. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.